On behalf of all employees who are subjected to threats of losing their job, Father, plead all of our causes, O Lord, with them that strive with us. Fight against them that fight against us. Take hold of shield and buckler and stand up for our help. Draw out also the spear and stop the way against them that persecute us and say unto our souls, I am thy salvation. Let them be confounded and put to shame that seek after our soul. Let them be turned back and brought to confusion that devise our hurt. Let them be as a shaft before the wind and let the angel of the Lord chase them. Let their way be dark and slippery and let the angel of the Lord persecute them. For without, for without cause have they hid for us their net in a pit which without cause they have digged for our soul. Let destruction come upon them at unawares and let their net be that they have hid high catch themselves into that very destruction. Let them fall. And our soul shall be joyful in the Lord. We shall rejoice in his salvation. All our bones shall say, Lord, who is like unto thee, which delivers the poor from him that is too strong from him, yea, the poor and the needy from him that spoileth them. False witnesses did rise up against us to lay charge things that we knew not. They rewarded us evil for good to the spoiling of our soul. But as for us, when, when we were sick, our clothing was sackcloth and humbled our souls with fasting and prayer and returned into our own bosom. We have behaved ourselves as though he had been our friend and our brother and bowed down heavenly as one that mourned for his mother. But in our adversity, they rejoice and gather themselves together. Yea, the abjects gathered themselves together against us and we knew it not. They did tear us and cease not. With hypocritical mockers and feasts, they gnashed upon us with their teeth. Lord, how long will I look on? Rescue our soul from their destruction, your, your darlings from their loins. We give thee thanks in the great congregation. We praise thee much among people. Let not them that are our enemies wrongfully rejoice over us, neither let them wink with the eye that hate us without a cause. For they speak not peace, but they devise deceitful matters against us that are quiet in the land. Yea, they open their mouth wide against us and say, Aha, aha, our eye have seen it. This thou have seen, O Lord. Keep not silence, O Lord. Be not far from us. Stir up thyselves and awake to my judgment, even unto my cause, my God and my Lord. Judge me, O Lord, my God, according to thy righteousness, and let them not rejoice over me. Let them not say in their hearts, ah, so would we have it. Let them not say, we have swallowed him up. Let them be ashamed and brought to confusion together that rejoice at our hurt. Let them be clothed with shame and dishonored that magnify themselves against, against us. Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor our righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which have pleasure in his prosperity of his servant. And our tongues shall speak of thy righteousness and of thy praise 
all day long. God, we thank you that there's a, there's a prayer in your word for every situation that we will ever face on this side of heaven. And we have the confidence of knowing that when we pray to you, you hear our prayers and you will answer our prayers. So God, we just thank you this day that we can come together in unity and in peace and petition your court on one accord. And God, we know, we know that we serve a God who specializes in impossibilities. Thank you, Jesus, for being our Lord, for being our Savior, for being our Master, for being our all in all. You are the I am, and we call upon I am to be what we need in the time of need. Thank you, Father. Now, Lord, I ask you to continue to show me the things you want me to see. So when I speak, Master, it will be those things you want me to say. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So um, what we're going to do is continue where we actually left off at 12. It's amazing. At 12 o'clock, I ended in one spot, and in 6.30 class, I completed the whole thing. <laughs> so uh, at, um, from last week in First, first Timothy uh, chapter 1, we l really kind of left off at verse 14 and 16. So this is a continuation where um, um, the, the title is Paul's Teaching on Doctrine. The title is Paul's Teaching on Doctrine. So this is a, a part two of this, of this, which covers the scriptures of verses one through 20. And um, I'll start back reading at verses 14 through 20, and we will be able to complete we will be able to complete this <laughs> prayerfully. <laughs> Amen. And so um, in this section of the scripture, this is where Paul is talking about God's mercy towards Paul. Glory. And, 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 and after, well, actually on the way here, I was reading in, um, um, was it to, today's devotional, where it talks about Paul and Ananias. Okay, which is in my, is in my notes for today. <laughs> so I'm like, whoa, okay. That's such a good feeling when you get affirmation after affirmation from the Spirit about something. You know it's God's timing, and it is his desire. Amen. So uh, for the sake of understanding, I'll read 12 and 13, but we're actually studying from 14 on. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who have enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, praise the Lord, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord, see that just goes to show you there is nothing that you can do that can keep you from being saved. Amen. Amen. And the grace of, of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful say, saying and worthy of all accept, acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Not to, not to save the good folks. Because if we were good, he wouldn't have had to go to the cross. 
And, and, and so that's what we need to wake up, that we were sinners who were lost, that's been saved by grace and mercy and faith, and, and we owe him a whole lot. And that lot that we owe is to be faithful and humble. 16, how be it for this cause I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern of, to them which should hereafter believe on him to, everlasting, to life everlasting. Now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever, amen. This charge or this command I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good war, holding faith and good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck. Or in other words, uh, it says, put away, rejected, which some have rejected and now suffer a shipwreck. Of whom is Hymenus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Okay, all right, here we go. <laughs> okay, now my, my notes from last week on verses 14 to 16, it says, the preaching and the teaching isn't about us as preachers and teachers, how good we sound or how or charismatic and how, how we, when we try to exude the truth through the gospel message that is presented to mankind for them to be converted, translated from darkness into the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is what our purpose is all about. It is not about us. And when we move self out of the way, then the spirit can rise up. Amen. Amen. Um, amen. So it's th this gospel is, is not for the demonstration of how charismatic one is or how good of a teacher or preacher they are, but is that I get the gospel message out that is a truth that cannot be perverted, changed, or whatever. Amen. But that truth will bring conversion Amen. to mankind that would deliver them from the spirit of darkness and bring them into the glorious light of the gospel Amen. of Jesus Christ. Amen. So hearts to be transformed from a worldly view and from views of false teaching into a kingdom view. Amen. Now, currently what was written. <laughs> Paul is stating in here that he was the chief of sinners. And in doing that, he majored just like some of the rest of us. He majored in pride. He thought the persecution of believers was a righteous thing and that he was keeping the Pharisees' law and traditions of self-righteousness. But with the law and the letter, there's no spirit to bring life. Amen. <laughs> okay. He didn't act out of an evil, premeditated heart 
that was prideful, he wasn't acting out of that, on a, you know, aware of, okay? But he was prideful of his background, his heritage, and his education. So he really thought he was right in what he was doing until one day he met Jesus Amen. on the road to Damascus. And his encounter with Jesus opened up his blinded eyes, removed the scales from him. Now, I wrote this at home. I read this on the way here. Shows you how things work, okay? To remove the scales from him to see true righteousness and to come in line with God's purpose for his life. Because see, when we are blinded by our flesh, our emotions, and all of this, you're not in line with God's purpose. I don't care what you're doing in the church. Because if you're blind, you can't see. And, and, and when our eyes are blinded, our hearts are hardened, you can't even hear and perceive what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. You only think you do because the enemy knows the word enough to deceive you. Amen. Pride is deadly and blinding, but all sin is. Anything coming from Satan is for the intent to kill to steal and to destroy. And it will do it to the one who's giving the message and the one who is receiving the message. When you go with your thoughts without challenging them with God. Amen? Again, Satan's purpose is to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus tells us in John, I've come to give you life and that more abundantly. Pride will have you feeling that if I thought it, then it must be right. But did you challenge your thoughts before you spoke them out? You know, did you like, okay, God, where is this coming from? In other words, did you try the spirits with the spirit. Did you ask God, did those thoughts come from you, Satan, or me? <laughs> to see who the author of them were. Okay? I'm going to share my own little personal testimony, and then we're going to read about what we really need to do with our thoughts because we have that self-righteous thing that we really think, because it sounds right to us, that those thoughts are in line with what God is having to say. God wants the church challenged to come out of our comfort zone of just coming together, having some good time services, and have not learned anything about how to live life according to his will and according to his way. And you learn that from the scriptures. Now, coming here and having somebody preaching and you shouting and having a hallelujah good time, and you have not learned enough to change the behavior that you, have, you came into Christ with to a new thing now that you're in Christ, what good was it for you to come to church? 
And you know, we all have spent most of our days going to church doing such a thing as that and not realizing that life, God wrote the book to show us how to live life, not the world. We live in a world, but it does not dictate to us how we're supposed to live. Because they don't know Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus, then you don't know how to live in the world. Now, when I say, when you ask God, I remember one day I asked God, God, I need to know when you're talking to me, when Satan is talking to me, or when I'm talking to myself. I need to know. Okay? So one day... Uh, I had that great opportunity to find out. <laughs> I had this little thing I would get up doing, uh, this uh, making uh, cassette tapes. This is before CDs, okay? And what I would do is, is, is if I heard a wonderful message, I would make up cassette tapes and send it to my relatives out of state. So I had a tape ministry going on, okay? And so I had all of this stuff on my kitchen table, and this is what I was doing, preparing. And, 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 and so also uh, I, I, I went and put on um, the skillet to, to heat up to fry some chicken for the dinner. And, and all of a sudden, I had this thought after I moved away from that, I had this thought, oh, it's time for me to go pick up Ebony from school. She goes to Southfield Christian, and we live on Burt Road but I forgot to turn the skillet off. So, needless to say, the house had caught on fire. The blessing is, my neighbor two doors from me saw it, came, he called the fire department, came, broke the window and ran the hose into the house to put the, to put the fire out so it wouldn't do any more damage. When the fire trucks came, he told them, this is my house and do not chop up my house with that axe. I put the fire out and all you and and you can get in now through the window. Because as I approach the door of the the, the school for Ebony to come out, it hits me. And I says, Oh Jesus, please don't let my house burn down. Oh my God, I felt sick. I prayed. I didn't even share it with her because I didn't need her fear to couple with mine. So I prayed all the way home. And when I get home, the fire truck is there, everybody is out. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Okay, now there is damage there, but I could have lost my home. But that damage could be repaired. So what the enemy meant for evil, God worked it for the good. Now let me tell you how this plays in. Um, one day I'm in, in the basement because, you know, I had to try to clean and fix the place up where we can survive until things could change. And I'm saying it like that because we were already in a destitute situation where we didn't know how we were going to pay our rent. So, of course, we weren't paying any more insurance payments. So the house is uninsured. Okay. I'm downstairs in the basement, which is where we basically have to live and cook on a hot, hot plate. And, and I'm praying and praising the Lord and in tears and in the process of praising God, he says, now you know my voice. 
You know why? Because before I was getting ready, um, before I put the skillet on the stove to heat it up, the Lord had a conversation with me about, you need to go to the bank now. Well, why would I go to the bank now? I'm waiting to receive a check through the mail, and it don't even make any sense for me to go to, to the bank now. Wait till I get the check, and then I'll go. But if I had left then, I wouldn't have put the skillet on the stove. Are y'all with me? Yes. Okay. So that's what he was saying. Now you know my voice. He answered my question. How do I know when you're talking to me, when the enemy is talking to me, or when I'm talking to myself? And he says, your spirit has been born again by my spirit. The first thing that comes is generally from me. When we begin to reason, you've let in someone else. And all you have to do, if you're not sure, is try the spirits with the spirit and I will affirm it with you. So rather than me having an intellectual discussion with the savior of the world, I should have said, Lord, is this you? And he would have affirmed it to me and I never would have put the skillet on. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I learned a lesson of how to discern who's talking to me. And I do it all the time. Don't ever think that you are so filled, you're so accomplished, you're so mature in the Lord that you just go with what you hear. Yeah, I heard the Lord. I know. No, did you try him? Did you question it? Did you ask God to confirm it before you just act on it and stop lying on the Holy Spirit? So many people are always lying on the Holy Spirit. Talking about the Spirit told me. Yeah, a Spirit maybe, but not necessarily the Spirit. Okay? He promises, let's go over to Philippians 4. But He promises to give us peace in the time of trouble, to, to give us peace when there are anxious thoughts and whatever, because he says, what you need to do is take those things and cast them on me. Because I care for you. That care means I take care of you. It's not just an affectionate, I care. I care for you, okay? So take those, th those thoughts that are disturbing, or whatever those thoughts are, that are negative, and Cast them over unto me through prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. So you pray as if you've already got the answer yeah. with thanksgiving. And, 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 and you continuously do it. People think, well, I've already prayed about that. So what does that mean? <laughs> and who do you think you are that... You can pray one time and it's done. And so what happens when you don't see your answer? One time prayer. You give up on him? You know, he wouldn't allow us to keep on petitioning him 
if it wasn't necessary because the enemy doesn't stop with one time. He's going to keep on till he gets you to operate against your will and definitely against the will of the Lord. And where you're going to be seeing what makes your flesh feel good, but your soul suffers lack. Amen. Amen. So what Paul tells us in verse 8, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, are true, not somebody else's truth, not even your truth, but the things that are true that comes from here. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things of a good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. So the stuff that you're seeing, if you can't praise on it, Amen. stop thinking about it. Because pride will have you speak forth without examining yourself or the situation. Even if the thought was a joke, because we have a tendency, oh, I was just joking. You need to find another way to be funny. Okay? And you may begin to question yourself. Will this edify the hearer? Or bring encouragement to the hearer? or bring correction that will help them to be better. Our words have power because we were created in the image of God and our new birth gives us his spirit. God spoke creation into existence. So our words have power to either build up or tear down. So when we're speaking, we're either building up or we're tearing down. Amen. Now, you tear down evil Amen. with your words. You don't tear down an opinion that you disagree with. You tear down evil with your words. Amen. 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 Oh, glory, hallelujah, Jesus. You don't demoralize others to make you feel good about your low life self. Now put it that way, because when you purposely try to demoralize others, you are from a low person. Amen? Amen. Amen. When the Bible tells us to think more highly of others than we do of ourselves. Okay? We don't demoralize them, we exalt. Amen? Amen? So let's not be deceived as God's children to think we can do or say whatever we please and not be accountable for it. Accountable to God and to our other sisters and brothers. Okay, let's go over to 1 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians 6 and verses 19 through 20 reads as such. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? So when you think you can say whatever you want to say, and that you have certain rights, and you're protecting your rights, you're out of order. You don't own yourself, okay? 
For you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you didn't just get a ticket prayerfully to heaven, but you got a responsibility and an obligation to take care of this body and the way that God would expect for you to take care of it so that it would be pleasing, holy to him. And that what you say or do will be a sweet smelling savior in his nostril. Are y'all with me? Because he says the price that was paid for you was in order for your body, for your being to glorify your Lord in all that you do and say. Okay, now go over to uh, Romans, Romans 14, and are we going to read from 12 to to, uh, 19? And it talks about the heading in my Bible says that we are all accountable. So, So don't think, don't think that you're not accountable to other believers. You you know, I I know before Christ, you, you... I, I've said it, and, and I'm sure some of you all have said, I'm grown, you can't tell me what to do. This, uh, this is my life, this is my body. You know, when after I got saved, I was so convicted of saying stuff like that because what I realized after I got saved, that my body, my life, and the choices that I made had affected other people, had affected other people that I now be responsible for because I took that position and I, and I felt awful. I even went back to uh, my younger uh, cousins and stuff to apologize because they looked up to me because they thought I had it going on. In the world sense, yeah, but in God's sight, I was a wreck on my way to hell. So I had to apologize for um, the position I had put before them, the influences that I had. I said they were not good influences. They were ungodly, and I'm sorry. God has forgiven me for it. I'm asking you to forgive me. And, And now, if I can influence you, it would be pleasing unto the Lord. Amen? We, we, you know, when we get saved, all our sins has been washed under the blood, okay? But all the consequences haven't. You know why? Because God wants to reveal some things to us that he's already forgiven us about to show us what a wreck we become so we can be delivered from all of the attached things as a result of bad behavior that we are going to suffer consequences for until we wake up to the root cause of that sin and, and, and ask God to forgive us. Am I making sense to you? Yes. Okay. Yes, he's forgiven us. He's washed those sins away as far as the east is from the west. But there are certain consequences that results from certain sins 
that we either have forgotten or in denial of. And God wants us to be free from the root causes of those things. And so in order to be free, he brings them back to our remembrance to allow us to say, God, forgive me. I am truly sorry for that. So that he can eradicate the consequences from certain sins. And I know once you get saved, you don't want to look back and remember all of that mess that you used to do because you feel so righteous. Get out of that deception because that's an enemy's way to keep you in bondage and not know you're in bondage. Because as believers, we should have more joy than what we exude. And the reason we can't have that joy because there are secret sins that is covered up that needs to be exposed to be released. Because it doesn't matter about what other people know or see, but underneath is giving you pure hell. And you don't know why you're grumpy. You, 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 you don't know why you're sarcastic. You don't know why you're angry. You don't know why you have all of these little idiosyncrasies that you think is protecting you. Um, uh, uh, you don't know why you can't rest and you don't have inner peace. All of these things is the result of something hidden inside that has not been exposed yet. Because you haven't been humble enough to say, God, show me my heart the way you see it. Reveal to me those things that are inner that I have not recognized yet, even though you've forgiven me. Amen. You see, Paul, doing what he thought was the righteous thing as a Pharisee, when his eyes opened, he got to see he was sinning. And what he was doing was not righteous. But as long as he was blind, he thought it was a good thing to do. And he come to find out that all the stuff that he was so proudful of, being educated, highly educated, and, and, and esteemed and all of that, he found out that it was nothing but dung. It meant nothing until he found out what to have a real relationship with the Lord Jesus that freed him beyond all understanding. And you know it had to, for Paul to be subjected to the persecution that he was persecuted with, but still have enough peace to write the epistles? Which is church rules, church regulations, church order, church behavior for a born-again believer. It had to be the peace of God that transcend him from his present situation to a heavenly stance to let us know we can rise above hell and still soar and have peace. But you got to do an inner search. You got to let God do surgery on you and open you up and pull out. And until he pulls out, 
Everything else is a band-aid over that stuff and any little thing comes and infects it and causes it to explode and a mess again and you're still having pain. Hurt one time. That is for him to open you up and cleanse you out so you don't have to keep hurting. It closes up and heals for a moment. It opens up. We must learn to surrender our will and surrender our way unto the Lord regularly asking God to direct your path. Order my steps, Lord, in your word. I surrender my all to you, Lord. For you I will live for you I will die. I will not go back. These statements opens the door for the Lord to have his free range to direct our paths to the destiny he has already purposed for our lives. Also allows him to kill some inner things in us that we may not be aware of. He will begin to show us things about ourselves and to fill our heart with disdain and contrite sorrow for it so that we can confess it and then repent of it. See, God cannot deliver us when we choose to hold on to pride. It is a blockage for God gave us a free will and he will not operate against that. He can do anything he wants to, but that's his principle. He's not going to operate against your will and make you become something better than what you are when you are not willing to be truthful, to be humble, and to be open. So you can lie to yourself all you want, but when you lie to yourself, you're lying to him. See, God wants us to freely come to him. He wants us to love him enough to trust him and fully come to him with humility and faith. Not presumptuous faith, but word faith. Not this name it, claim it stuff, or just believing because you're, you're, you're saved is just going to happen. No, he wants word faith. That means you've got to speak what the word is saying about you and your situation. We, we, that's the purpose of coming, okay, this is a household cleanup thing. The purpose of coming here Saturday mornings early, we not have everybody coming here at a certain time early, is to clean yourself up before you begin to worship. You're in a blessed situation because that allow you the opportunity to get before God and God show you some stuff because you've humbled yourself at this altar, some stuff that you are in denial of or maybe not even aware of and become freer and freer and freer. And the freer we'll get, then we won't have to have a a cheerleader up here trying to usher us into worship. Because the more free you get, the more you want to worship. Suzette, at one of the retreats, you got free doing the worship. Really, that was the beginning of your real freedom. Look, that will not escape LaCrystal's mind. She talks about it. Every time we're talking about something about deliverance and the, and the retreat and stuff, she says, I'll never forget that because she saw you really got free and delivered. That's what worship, pure worship, will do. Because what you're saying, I'm sick of me. I'm sick of the pretense. 
I'm sick of church as usual. Have your way with me, Lord. Do what you need to do to set me free. Because until we are honest and free with God, nothing is going to change. Let me tell you, and this is no offense, but I don't care where you go. You can, you can go to Timbuktu to the best conference in the world. It's not going to change you until you're ready to be changed because God wants to enter in. He's at the door knocking and you have not let him in. And you don't have to go nowhere but on your knees. To show that you have truly humbled yourself. You're not going through a facade of church stuff and, 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 and church lingo. But you are truly humbling yourself before the Lord. And he will make it available to you. He wants you to know all that you need to know. You do not have to go to, to the school of theology to know what God wants you to know. Or, or to know whether or not there is uh, a certain, you've been called to a certain office. He wants every believing believer to understand his word and know his plans, not only for you, but for the body of Christ. It is no secret. It is no special privilege. Everybody can know it and understand it if you desire to know it. Amen. He has called all believers to do the work of the ministry. Whether you've been given a title by a human being or not, you have been called to preach the gospel. And we must live it. Not just preach it, but we must live it. We don't have to search. You don't have to go nowhere searching to know and to understand. He says, Ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be open. We, we so-called Christians have become religious and looking for religious experiences. Be saved. And, and look to experience a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And not an organizational relationship. Pure praise elevates your faith and summons God to your cause. Pure praise elevates your faith and summons God to your cause. Uh, back to... Uh, First Timothy, and I'm going to do the close of verses 18 through 20. Thank you, Jesus. In 18, he's charging Timothy as his spiritual son. That's what he means when he calls Timothy his son. He's a spiritual son, which means he's birthed him out of the spirit with the teaching because Timothy was willing to receive and to grow and to obey. See, that's, this, that's another hang up. God put spiritual people in charge over you, but you reject it because it doesn't fit your line of thinking. Mm -hmm. And if you're not a son of God, then you are illegally in that relationship, and what do that make you? Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah, Jesus. Okay, so 
uh, verse 19, he's telling them, hold fast to your faith. Have a good conscience. Isn't it interesting he tells us to have good courage? Because, see, we can have courage, but it ain't the kind of courage that God is talking about. <laughs> you can have courage and, and tell you what I think, but I don't have enough courage to stand for what I need with the Lord. Hallelujah. So he says, and in, in, in having uh, rejected anything concerning faith, which has made us to suffer shipwreck, okay? Of whom is Hymenus and Alexander. They were prime examples. Now I'm gonna read to you uh, who they are, but a little bit about them. Which, glory, hallelujah, Jesus. I just had a thought, and I'll tell you at the end after I read about them, okay? <laughs> Okay, let me go back. I, I guess I'm pronouncing this man's name right. Hymenus was a heretic who was undermining the faith of many of Paul's weaker converts. Hymenus was mentioned twice by Paul in his correspondence to Timothy. Hymenus has slipped into the era of teaching that the resurrection was simply an allegorical way of saying that one's soul was released from sin. In other words, he didn't believe in the power of Jesus Christ, his blood that delivered us from sin, okay? This distortion of the gospel was appealing to many who had Gnostic learnings or Greek backgrounds. Now, that Greek background means they were intellectual. They let their education overrule God's wisdom, which is common sense for us when we operate in it. It should be common. Woo! God's wisdom should be common to us. It should be our common sense, okay? Paul recognized the dangers of Hymenus' claims and finally excommunicated him. He got him up out of the church. You either repent or get the stepping. <laughs> okay, now let's talk about Alexander. Okay, Alexander. Now there were actually five Alexanders. So this is one out of five. It says, Alexander, along with Hymenus, was one of the converts who later renounced their belief in Christ and were described by Paul as people who made a shipwreck of their faith. So these are people who came to Christ, believing and accepting Christ, but when you don't grow in him, through the word, you cannot maintain your faith in him. Amen. Do you understand that? Yeah. And, and intellect will start having you reason out stuff that you should not be reasoning, because let me tell you, we walk by faith and not by sight. See, all the intellectual want you to reason out stuff and to think out and all of that. That is not faith because you can think to your complexion change and you will never be able to explain how things operate according to how this word say because it's high above. He says, my thoughts are higher, higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. In order for you to understand it, you got to choose to want to come up and not try to figure it and bring me down here. 
Okay, um, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Father, we thank you that we don't have to be deceived by the spirit of darkness. We have a written word as well as the witnesses from the Old Testament to remind us of who we are in you. Don't let us continue to walk around in ignorance and arrogance thinking we got it. When we We'll never have it. Don't matter how much we study and pray and live. We will never have it. We must stay humble. Completely leaning on you for your guidance. And be like Paul. We know nothing but Jesus and him crucified. Thank you for enlightening our souls today rearranging our thoughts and healing the wounds of our hearts so that we can walk upright in your word. And I pray, Father, at the sound of my voice, that anyone who did not know you before they heard this broadcast, that they will cry out, Abba, Father, and they will confess that they are a sinner but they no longer want to live like this, so they're asking Jesus, come into my heart. Save me. Purge me, heal me. Fix me so I can live for you all the days of my life. Thank you for our opportunity, another day, new mercies, another opportunity to get it right so that we can stand before you at rapture time and you will tell us my good and faithful servant come in not I never knew you we love you Lord and we believe but help our unbelief and increase our love for you so that you would be pleased with us I pray for traveling mercies for your people as they leave this place to go to the next destination. I thank you for the angels you have assigned to each one of us to keep us on the course of life that will lead us towards the destiny you set for our lives and that they will keep them lifted in their hands lest we dash our foot against a stone. I thank you, Father, for your blessings upon all of us and for most of all, for your peace to reside in our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And don't forget to tell somebody about Jesus. <laughs> <laughs>